0: Welcome to the Business of Blockchain. I'm your host, Ross McDonald. This podcast is where we connect you to the founders, creators, developers, and those who are building the cryptocurrency and blockchain industry. Our goal is to help you to see into the minds and businesses that are growing globally. From Bitcoin to altcoins, finance and revenue, regulation to culture, we cover the blockchain revolution that is growing across all industries. This content is brought to you today by ExcelTrip, Decentralized Travel Ecosystem, where you can purchase travel with flights and hotels using digital currencies such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Verge, Dash, and their own token, XLab. Find out more at ExcelTrip.com. Today on the show, we have CEO and co founder of CoinBerry.com. Andre Poliakoff. At CoinBerry.com, you can buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, XRP, and Bitcoin Cash. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us today, Andre. Great to
1: be on the show.
0: We at Blockchain Business Magazine have been watching CoinBerry, and we see how you are supporting those entering the cryptocurrency industry for the first time, and also those who are established in the industry. Tell us about the foundations of CoinBerry. What was your vision to build your company on?
1: The, the goal that we had from day one was to provide um, Canadians with a safe, secure, and very easy-to-use platform to basically um, acquire their first, their first Bitcoin. So, we, you know, our, our sort of goal and philosophy is, um, is crypto made simple. And we've, you know, we've stayed true to that over the last couple of years, and it's proven to be quite a... Um, Quite an interesting ride, I would say. Uh, I mean, we've grown substantially, as you've mentioned, um, especially over the last year. Uh, you know, the Coinbase name is is known in Canada now, and uh, uh, and we're very happy about that because it, it's a reflection or it's it's a confirmation um, that there is a need for um, you know easy to use uh, platforms for people to acquire and transact and convert in uh, in in Bitcoin and Ethereum and Litecoin and Uh, And Ripple and some of the other main currencies as well. So Coinbase in and itself is a digital asset platform. So we have uh, a B two B vertical. We have a B two C vertical as well. So on the B two C vertical, we have a consumer facing um, trading platform that's available on the web as well as on iOS and on Android and on Android. And uh, um, what that uh, trading platform allows people to do is convert Canadian dollars into Bitcoin. Ethereum, Litecoin, and Ripple, and, and XRP, I should say. And um, that's, that's on the B2C vertical. And then on the B2B vertical, we work with merchants, we work with businesses, we work with not-for-profits, and as you mentioned, we work with some municipal governments as well. So every time, um, so, so, uh, and then uh, of course, the government, uh, as, as you mentioned, with the town well. So. On the B2B side, we uh, have a solution called Coinberry Pay that allows, as I mentioned, merchants, businesses, not-for-profits and the government to actually accept payments in cryptocurrency. So it's a cryptocurrency payment processing solution. Um, and basically, it's, 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 um, it's a feature that's available to all of our users, but we do find that um, it, it's, the, it's the businesses that we work with, the organizations and institutional users that actually use this feature. And we work with a number of not-for-profits. Um, Pathways Education is an example of one, and they use our solution to accept donations in uh, in Bitcoin made to the charity, uh, which you know we're very happy and proud of, um, of, of sort of working with them to to help them do. And then, of course, we have merchants that um, want to accept cryptocurrency as a payment uh, method. And uh, and then we have the town of Innisfil that uh, we had signed a partnership with in March uh, to allow residents of the town to actually pay their taxes in Bitcoin. So it was the first time in Canada this was ever done. And I'm happy to say that in April of this year, the first uh, cryptocurrency tax payment actually took place in Canada. So Hopefully there's going to be a Wikipedia article about it one day.
0: That's <laughs> fantastic that you've achieved that. I uh, I was watching the video for when uh, you documented that, which is excellent as well. Uh, I, I thought that was fascinating because, you know, I think it's probably, am I right in saying this, that it's a lot easier for a smaller town to implement this, vote that in, and to put, to put that into effect. Yeah,
1: I mean, um, you know, it wasn't an easy, an easy ride in the park. I mean, this is a project that was about nine months in the making. Um, we started back in August of last year with initial uh, introduction. And then uh, of course, you know, many later I um, uh, had to go in front of the council, uh, you know, explain what the service is, that it's a complimentary service to what they currently have. Um, we were very fortunate in, in that the staff and the mayor of the town, very forward thinking and innovative and, um, didn't shy away from, from, you know, from, from this uh, project. And, um, um, yeah, and then there was an, an, an anonymous vote. Uh, you know that was that, that was put through by the council, and uh, we've had uh, tremendous interest from other municipalities. One, you know, once the news broke. So I mean, we've had um, all the way from Alberta. The um, municipal urbanization had reached out to us to ask us some questions. Um, I'm actually going for a second meeting with uh, um, the city of Richmond or the town of Richmond Hill, I should say, uh, Ron Toronto. Um, so we're very excited about you know moving forward on a potential project very similar to the one we're going to with them as well, and um, looking forward to you know discussions with the, the city of Toronto as well moving forward, and eventually I'm hoping the province and the federal level that that would be sort of the, uh, the success uh, goal for us.
0: Yeah, it's excellent because you know as you were the first uh, company to help uh, Innisfil achieve this. You know it's it's on paper, it's it's digital, it's it's done, you've achieved it. It's great for other cities to look at this because they can see, okay, this works on these these simple levels.
1: Exactly. and and the thing is I mean the solution in itself is extremely simple. Um, it costs no money for the town to implement. Um, you know we don't charge the town for for the service, and it provides their residents a, a new I mean, it, it achieves a number of goals. The the most obvious is it provides residents with a new way to actually pay their taxes. I mean that's the goal. There. But then there's some other sort of um, more softer goals that it achieves in terms of communicating um, and attracting you know the, the younger generation to the municipality to the town, communicating the innovative nature and the openness of town for technological change and technological progress. Which is all very important, especially now, you know, as we get more and more into a a, a more decentralized world where you have, um, where you have freelancers and consultants working for companies, um, you know, overseas that get paid in Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. And this happens more often than you think, or is happening more often than you think, um, you know, to provide these individuals with a way to actually, uh, not say using the, the the currency that they, um, that they earn. Is, is also very important. So it achieves a number of really important, I feel, um, goals for any municipality. Um, and, and we see even on the business side, I mean, there's news that, you know, AT&T down uh, in the U.S. and, and uh, Starbucks have started accepting Bitcoin. Um, so in Whole Foods, I think, if I'm not mistaken, as well.
0: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, through, is, one of,
1: through one of their partnerships. Exactly. So this is, um, you know, I, I feel like we are on the cusp of, of, sort, of sort of like a mass adoption that, People have been talking about it for a little while, um, and I'm looking very much forward. So to 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 making sure that Coinbase is in a position to to help more businesses, more municipalities, more government agencies, um, and more individuals to actually utilize and transact um, with cryptocurrency extremely easily, just the way they would, you know, send an email um, or uh, or accept a PayPal uh, you know payment. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, and uh... Uh...
0: And, and through what you're doing, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of uh, the public or maybe those in business, they don't understand that, you know, it's basically a custodial service that you're offering and all these other major partnerships. Uh, you know, Starbucks is using uh, a company called Bax and other things in the States. But, you know, Coinberry is really leading this for Canadian corporations to take advantage of this. You know, I think, you know, as, as a as a, a marketing company and as a magazine, you know, we really appreciate having the opportunity to promote this because, you know, the benefits, uh, you know, to Canada in itself and the businesses and the people involved in it. I don't think people realize the opportunity right now that and, and realize what you're offering. It's really excellent.
1: Yeah. And, and the thing is, I mean, you know, speaking specifically about the Canadian market, um, the, you know, the Canadian market is an interesting one because on the one hand, um, in terms of the cryptocurrency industry, we're very progressive on the one hand, but on the other hand, we're, it is a very small market at the end of the day, um, you know, compared to even the U.S. market or the European or the Asian market. And so, um, a lot of the time, big companies, they overlook Canada, um, you know, in terms of providing their services here, which is is not good for consumers on the one hand, but it, it's really good for us as a business because it's given us an opportunity to, you um, to basically you know build a strong following and, and a strong foundation uh, in Canada we're, we're of course we're a Canadian company we're based in Toronto um, so so it's it's kind of like it's been a blessing to us to a certain extent that um, some of the companies that you mentioned like you know that they um, are completely overlooked the Canadian market and you know too bad for them and great for us and and uh, and yeah I mean again like like you like you mentioned I, I'll completely echo that the opportunity for businesses is huge in this space if they you know those that are sort of brave or comfortable to start actually um, accepting payments and and issuing payments and and interacting with you know the application of blockchain to the financial services as a whole like not specifically cryptocurrencies.
0: Yeah I think the difference now between you know six twelve months ago you know your platform uh, and you know just using cryptocurrencies in general it has become easier and adoption you know we see that taking off this year. You know, I have people contacting me who, you know, a year ago, they're trying to see the value in Bitcoin and now they understand it. And so they're coming to your platform. They're, they're accepting it. They're using it themselves. Uh, It's a really exciting year and time to be a part of the industry.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, also you got to keep in mind that, um, you know, Coinbase specifically having, having uh, been able to um, secure this this partnership with with a government entity uh, has, has been a great sort of, Stamp of approval for us, because obviously we had to go through a lot of, you know, background checks and things of that nature to work with uh, with a municipality. So it builds a lot of trust as well for the name and, and the company and the brand, which in this industry is extremely important. Because, um, ironically enough, in a de- an industry that's focused on decentralization and lack of trust, trust is uh, uh, is even is even more important when when you're dealing with any um, centralized sort of business
0: model. That's true absolutely and uh, I've noticed uh, you've had a lot of commentary with the uh, initially with the Canadian Digital Chamber of Commerce and also the uh, Canadian uh, securities uh, administrators. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on with those details? Yeah,
1: absolutely, so um, so coinbury is a member of the Canadian Digital Chamber of Commerce and uh, uh, as part of the response to the consultation paper which was published by uh, the CSA in partnership with IROG um, asking the industry and Canadians for input as to potential regulations for our industry. Um, so, Point Bay responded to those together with the Digital Chamber of Commerce. So, our, our answers are incorporated into their response. And, uh, we, you know, the, the, the topic of regulation in this industry is an, is an interesting one, because on the one hand, you have, um, you know, you have an, you have a technology that was built in an effort to um, move away from any centralized oversight. Um, But on the other hand, you have sort of the reality of life and the reality being such that for most consumers having a regulatory body um, oversight or approval is a necessity for mass adoption to take place. And so, I mean, my, my, my feelings are a little bit convoluted in that case, because I mean, on the one hand, I understand the power of decentralized um, finance, but then on the other hand, I also understand as a business owner, uh, the fact that our industry needs, um, you know, it doesn't need, but our industry would benefit from having some regulatory oversight and some regulations in place that will inevitably aid in mass adoption because it will give consumers and, uh, and, and other industry players from outside our industry, um, the comfort of knowing that businesses they deal with have, um, you know, a certain level of, uh, um, you know, a certain level of, of either expertise or, um, or uh, sort they've, of they've, they've, they've gotten past the filter sort of, sort of thing. Um, so my response to the CSA consultation paper has always been that some regulation is definitely required. I mean, we see what happened with Rodrigo. Uh, We see what's happening with some of the other smaller um, exchanges and players in the market. And it's not good. I mean, these are not examples that anybody's happy about. Um, you know, did we get Quadriga's users? Yeah, we did get some. Was it good for business? Yeah, it was. But was it good for the industry? No, it wasn't. So I would rather the industry flourish than specifically maybe, you know, Particular business benefits because somebody else fault, you know faulted. Um, mm-hmm. So, as an industry, you know there is some. I, I feel like there is a need for some oversight so that um, so that dishonest you know players and, and and business people don't have an opportunity to really get a you know footing here. However, however, the most important thing I think is that the regulators don't go overboard, and this I have a very big concern. With the fact that they may. And by going overboard, what I mean is specifically putting in place requirements that are going to stifle growth, that are going to be uh, exorbitantly difficult for companies to abide by. And maybe not specifically companies such as Coinberry, which has been around for a number of years now, that like we've established ourselves. Well, whatever we need to get regulated, we'll do it. Like that's not going to be a problem for us. But we wind back two years ago when we we're starting out. And those regulations or requirements that you know may come out actually when in place would have no chance of actually succeeding or actually even growing or establishing ourselves. so so my concern is that they don't stifle the growth of a very nascent industry by over-regulating or by putting in place regulations that are uh, just put an absorbing burden whether it's a financial burden whether it's a time burden requirements on new businesses and uh, you know startups in an industry that has no um, no 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 equivalence to it right now there's i mean this is we haven't seen this for a very long time of of a sort of this newborn um technology and industry really taking off and and that's my biggest concern is just that they don't stifle the growth um and what i've seen the government do up to now is this sort of take a step back and let people do their thing approach which i think has worked really well um and I again, I just hope that they don't, um, you know, they don't prevent, they don't prevent other smaller companies from, um, from getting a footing. That's that's what that's what my biggest concern. Is they don't kill innovation.
0: I think that's a good point. You you know the in the lot, in two thousand eighteen and previously for startups in the whole industry worldwide, it hasn't been easy for a lot of them. You know, it's been a difficult process, and we're just you know making great successes now. How do you view? Um, the perception from governments uh, about digital assets, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies between being commodities, securities and currencies? How, how do you feel about that classification system?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. So I mean, it depends what government regulator you talk to, you know, you have a that's looking at Bitcoin as a um, potentially a currency. You have um, the CRA that's looking at Bitcoin as a commodity and you have the the CSA that's looking at Bitcoin as a security. <laughs> and is it all three? Is it neither one of those? Um, I think we have to answer those questions and come to a consensus. And by we, I mean, mostly they, but with input from the industry. Um, before, and again, this ties back to the whole, before anybody comes out with any regulations, because like you have FinTrack coming out with, I think in June, if I'm not mistaken, um, certain requirements for cryptocurrency businesses to register with FinTrack. Then you're gonna have the CSA come up with requirements. Then you have, you know, the CRA treating Bitcoin as, as one as a commodity. So um it it's very disconnected and I believe that there's an and really what there is a need for to be completely really honest with you is for regulators at all different levels of government to sit together with industry players around a literally a round table and Ask questions and get educated, mm-hmm. because we are, you know, we are so deep in the weeds, developing this technology, um, you know, pushing the boundaries of of what's, you know, w- w- the technology, yet alone the sort of the financial instrument boundary, um, yet alone the legislative boundary. And then you have individuals that are sort of detached, sitting on the regulatory side of things, trying to figure out what it is we're doing and trying to trying to regulate it potentially. We're trying to put it into a you know, trying to put a square or a cube into into a hole which is round, and yeah, you can you can force a square into a hole that's round. You end up breaking the edges. You can force it in. Is it going to be a good fit? Probably not. And and that's what I feel is has has been lacking a little bit. Because again, talking about the CSA uh, consultation paper that came out, they had two months that they gave people, uh, you know, industry players to respond, and that's it.
0: That's interesting. Do you, think, like, you, do you know, think that if these uh, government agencies don't get together and speak with companies like yours and other people who are deeply ingrained in the industry, do you think they may set regulations that would conflict with one another? Is that possible? Yeah, potentially. I mean, look, our company just went through a FinTrack audit.
1: Um, and, um, uh, you know, okay, we had, again, Like, I, I'm more concerned about the industry as a whole than us because we've been doing everything like by the book from day one. Um, and and beyond, so like I'm not am not afraid. Of I'm in the point and again, we passed the audit. Um, but you have like from discussions with them, it's it's evident that there's a lack of um, there's lack of, of, of experts really at these agencies. I'm not saying there are none. There's definitely some, but there's just I don't know. If the, I'm not sure. I'm not confident that there's enough expertise at these agencies to uh, to to really put in place requirements um, and regulations that, yes, on the one hand, are not conflicting, on the other hand, are clear, consistent, and are also not going to be, have to be rewritten six months from now. Because I can tell you some of the questions that they have about custodianship of digital assets and things of that nature, like we're addressing those from a technical perspective at Coinbase. So if they come in six months and they say, "Oh, you know what? Every crypto broker or exchange has to have X, Y, Z in place for custodianship," and we've already solved this from a technical perspective, those are useless regulations. So again, yeah. without without sitting with the experts in the field and finding out what's coming in the future, they'll always be playing catch up, always, and that you know that nobody's going to win with that. Okay, so yes. anybody's listening to this from uh, from the legalese, please, you know.
0: Yeah, it's interesting when we see large corporations in the blockchain industry, they have their, their employees and the people working within their own company. They always have advisors mm-hmm. from the industry, from other parts of the industry. And, you know, we don't really see that in government. We see people mm-hmm. who work in the government and that's mm-hmm. it. Do you think mm-hmm. that might give some strength to the Canadian regulators if they you know, brought in some advisors from these companies across Canada? Yeah, I mean, if you look at um yeah, absolutely.
1: I do. Absolutely. And, and for full transparency, I mean, we've discussed with a number of different agencies and, and um, have given our input in different number of forums and through different discussions. Um, so we're trying to do our best as a company and as like a corporate citizen to educate, um, you know, the, 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 the regulators that we speak with, but um, yeah, I definitely believe that. I mean, it's a good example of what you're talking about is the Launchpad initiative where uh, the Launchpad is initiative launched by the Ontario Securities Commission. Um, it's, it's focused on helping uh, fintech businesses sort of interact um, with the OSC. And, um, and, and I believe if you look at that, I believe this year they've had somebody from the Digital Chamber of Commerce. Um, and I think maybe potentially one other individual from the cryptocurrency industry uh, or blockchain industry out of like, 12 people or 14 people. Mm-hmm. So, Maybe the reality is that this industry is just not, you know, not as um, not as vocal for these regulators. I mean, and and that's and that has a place to be as well. I mean, we are a small industry. We're just starting out. If you look at the global things, like the global picture within, you know, if you look at cryptocurrency within finance, like it's like it's a tiny sliver. Um, it's a very loud and very interesting sliver, but it's still like the numbers are very small um so maybe the reality is that they have other things that they're just focused on that could also be the case
0: it could be well we definitely know that in the last you know six to 12 months a lot of heads have turned from government and agencies i don't maybe they didn't uh, expect this but uh, it's exciting to see companies like Coinbury helping the public on you know uh, a person-to-person level and the business-to-business level um moving forward how can uh, you know, the general public, how can they, where can they go to take advantage of Coinberry services?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we are available on Um, um We're also available on the iOS, on the Apple and um, the Play Store, or what is it called for Apple? I'm, a, I'm an Android user. Yes. The, 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 the you just, App Store. The, the App Store, yeah. App Store and the Play Store. Um, uh, our apps are available there. So we're definitely available online. Um, to on Google Claimberry and check us out. Uh, there's a whole bunch of media articles and, and interviews as well. And uh, we also organize meetups at our office. Uh, we try to organize a meetup once a month where we just invite the community. We work very closely with the Haskell developer, uh, Developers Club of Toronto. Uh, so they have a lot of their. If you're a Haskell developer or, or want to check us out, you know, check out the technology. We have uh, their meetups at our office about once a month, and then we have just meetups for the community. Um, so we have a very open sort of door policy. I uh, would like to be very close with the people that we, you know, build our technology for. And so, uh, yeah, you can always come by from Toronto and check us out. Before we wrap it up, I did want to talk about one important um, feature that we have rolled out actually during the Collision Conference, which is called Autopilot. Oh, um, that's right. Sure. Yes, so this feature um, is actually really cool because it allows our users to set a uh, predefined schedule of, Purchases, whether it's once a day, once a week, um, bi-weekly, or once a month, on any of the four currencies that we currently offer—so Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and XRP—and um, you can preset a whatever amount you want as a user, and and we execute buys for you on you know on that predefined schedule. So if you want to buy you know, ten dollars of Bitcoin once a week, uh, or you want to buy you know fifty dollars worth of Bitcoin every two weeks, or you want to buy a dollar every day you just set the schedule up you set autopilot up you 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 set it and forget it and what that allows people to do is to consistently acquire cryptocurrency without the emotional roller coaster of uh, you know trying to catch uh, catch the falling knife or you know without phone, without fud it just lets you set it and forget it and I'll be very honest with you since we rolled it out I've set it myself and it's it's the best feature ever because really not having to watch the markets daily is a godsend. Like you just you it and you know that it mm-hmm. will average out. It will average out over time, and uh, it's a really cool feature. Yeah. So um, any of our users using it, I, I, I encourage you to check it out. Yeah. Anybody thinking of signing up, it's a really cool feature.
0: Can you explain to everybody the power of cost averaging when you're purchasing Bitcoin?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, it, so what happens usually? Usually, it's is people try to catch a wave as it goes up. And for the most part, they end up buying at the top and then the markets retrieve and they end up losing their money. And, and this happens more often than you think. Now with cost though, averaging, what happens is we execute a buy for you at a predetermined frequency. So as I said, let's say once every week, regardless of how the market is doing that particular day. So yes, sometimes you will buy when it's going up. Sometimes you will buy when it's going down but the average will follow a much, much more smoother curve for the market. And as cryptocurrency as a whole, as a curve is going up, um, I mean, this is not investment advice, to be fully clear, but it will help our users to actually long-term, or we hope it will help our users long-term actually um, gain with the markets without uh, going through the volatile price swings there and trying to catch the volatile price swings along the way, which is very, very hard to do, catching those swings is very hard to do.
0: Yeah, it's true. I think it's a fantastic program, especially for for people, a lot of people are thinking, okay, I've got some money to invest, I'm going to wait for the perfect time, the perfect time doesn't come because you either are too early or too late, but cost averaging it you know it balances out so it's it's a fantastic program that you're offering for customers yeah,
1: and it's and it's great for people that just want to you know want to I want to put aside you know a thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars whatever and that's what I want my uh, you know cryptocurrency holdings to be you know say they're like one percent of my overall portfolio um, this allows you to do that uh, again without trying to time the market perfectly because that's basically impossible to do.
0: Yeah, well, that's excellent. We're glad that you're continually working with people to create these new programs. Well, thanks for chatting with us. We'll share this video with you and our subscribers, and we'll look forward to maybe doing this again soon. Thank you. For more information, go to blockchainbusinessmagazine.com. There you can get a print or digital edition of our magazine. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter and visit our YouTube page where you can enjoy video content, including news, interviews, announcements, and more.